0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions.
1: Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And this morning we're going to talk about the Mississippi Center for Justice. Good morning, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. Uh, it's uh, great to be here, and I want to welcome my daughter's uh, Michelle, who is here from Tallahassee, uh, spending some time with us, and uh, my daughter Eve, who is getting ready to start her senior year of high school, and she's spending her last day of summer uh, on the set of In Legal Terms here in Oxford, so you got to... I love that. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, we have a really great guest today. I, I, I was thrilled when, when Riley Moore said he would uh, appear on the show because of the great work that the Mississippi Center for Justice does. And he's one of our grads who is, uh, again, doing a lot of uh, tremendous work for the people of the state of Mississippi and both uh, racial and economic justice. And uh, so, Riley, thank you again for being on the show today.
3: It's my pleasure. Thank you.
1: Okay. Well, we're excited uh, to to talk about the Mississippi Center for Justice, and we want to go ahead and mention now and at the end of the show that they have a uh, Champions of Justice dinner, and you have this every year.
3: That's right. It's been going on for I guess about twelve, uh, at least thirteen years, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a great event. gathers hundreds of folks together, honor. Uh, each year, a couple of the great Mississippians who've moved the cause of justice forward.
1: That's right. This year's it's uh, Representative Robert Clark and Carol Pinnock. It'll be at the Jackson Convention Center on October 18th. And if you go to the MS Center mscenterforjustice.org, that's the website to get more information about that. Thank you. All right. Well, there's so many um, focus areas that the the center does. We're going to try to simplify it so we can get a lot of information out to our listeners. And one of the ones that we wanted to talk about uh, is education. Um, and uh, how how was that decided to be a focus area for the center?
3: Well, I think from the beginning, the center saw... Mississippi is uh, rich with possibilities for advancing racial and economic justice and we originally began looking at about a dozen high profile problem areas that were each very specific and then we gradually distilled that down to four, education, health care, housing and consumer protection and with education the, the point that just kept coming up was how big a driver it was for upward mobility for people greater economic security uh, greater uh, asset uh, building and uh, just overall well-being for families.
1: Right. Yeah. If 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 the education isn't there, that's the precursor <clears throat> for either a lot of success or a lot of possible failures, I assume. Right. Right. Um, so right now, uh, some of the specific things in education that y'all have focused on are, are bullying, uh, discipline, uh, special needs students. Talk about how that, uh, what some of the work that the uh, center has done in that those areas specifically.
3: We began to dig deeper into education issues when we established a. Office in the Mississippi Delta in Indianola. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've had a great team working on education issues. It's now led by Jeremy Eisler in Biloxi and also staffed by Deborah Giles in uh, Indianola. Uh, and we've focused on, first of all, making sure students stay in the main classroom receiving instruction. So that means we have to look at things that divert them from uh, receiving instruction that involves the school discipline, it involves uh, education plans that uh, adapt to students' special needs and it involves um, uh, issues like bullying. And so, right. bullying came up very strongly in the past uh, 12 months because we began to see just sort of a rise in it in our uh, nation, and in our state. And nationally, what we saw was about one in five students facing bullying. But in Mississippi, where we have maybe 500,000 kids in K through 12, uh, you'd think we'd see a pretty su- substantial number of complaints about bullying, and we only saw in the low hundreds. And so we thought, well, there's a problem there, and we dove into it. Our our teams looked into it and discovered that uh, a lot of the uh, requirements in federal and state law weren't being implemented to protect kids uh, against bullying. And Mississippi's own state law provides for a right of self-defense for students who are attacked, but that was being basically... Um, Glossed over, and both sides of the student, both sides of a of a fight, were uh, expelled or suspended, regardless of whether a student was exercising a statutory right right. of self defense. All right. So we have to do a lot of uh, individual casework. We have to use those cases to try to improve uh, school districts knowledge of what the law requires and get them to change uh, practices and over time we build up enough of those to be able to secure uh, some statewide changes which we did um, sometime back in getting uh uh, things positioned for the legislature to establish minimum uh, statewide school discipline standards and due process standards. And so are that you, was an important thing.
1: Is the Mississippi Center for Justice able to disseminate some of this information to uh, help school districts know what the actual policies and rules are, or do you get it to someone who can disseminate
3: it? Well, sometimes we have to start in the hearing right. <laughs> and say, by the way, you're breaking the law. Here's right. what you need to do to change how you're behaving. But there's also a lot of uh, effort over time uh, by our teams to do outreach to uh, school district associations, uh, to uh, various leaders to help uh, enhance their knowledge of what's uh, what's uh, what's the law and what's the best practice in a particular area. And we've even done pilot programs trying to work uh, restorative justice into the classroom and to bring partnerships together between school districts. Um, parent councils and uh, both sides of law enforcement, the school resource officer and the juvenile justice system, to just try and change this tendency that had arisen over the past decade or so with uh, sort of zero tolerance things to criminalize what are really traditionally school infractions. They don't need to be shoved into right. the justice court system.
1: Oh, uh, Professor Gershon, I'm, I'm still so riding high of my intellectual knowledge about restorative jacks, uh, justice from when we had a, a previous guest on in legal terms, and that I've heard so much more about that now on uh, national news also.
2: Right. And we were lucky. That was our dean, uh, Susan Duncan, who is an expert in restorative justice and has been doing work in our community uh, with some local organizations in that area as well. So an important movement and really, you know, happy that the Center for Justice is involved in that and, you know, all the work that they do. Uh, to help education and help uh, people in in those situations is tremendous. And by the way, their, their bullying report is on their website, so if anyone wants to see uh, the information that they've uh, uncovered and, and put together and what they're doing, their website is a really, really great source for that information.
1: Yeah, we hope that um, listeners, uh, PTAs, school boards, uh, principals, principals, uh, can can go to their website ms center for justice to make use of some of their resources. Uh, Just a little bit more about the Center for Justice Uh, it's opened in 2003 to attack a laundry list of policies that kept Mississippi at the bottom of nearly every indicator of uh, human well-being and that that is working at a news organization it is always sad when we get a we, we get a list and we're just crossing our fingers don't let us be 50 don't let us be 50
3: yes well you know this work uh in our state and i know every you know uh public and political official understands this this mindset we've got a uh, state with wonderful people who are challenged from every direction with different kinds of social uh, and uh, economic ills, and so the patient has multiple simultaneous illnesses, and so an organization that's trying to make it, make the needle move has got to be more than just a one-issue organization in our view. You've got to be ready to look at uh, an assortment of things because an improvement in one area, such as education, will lead to improvements elsewhere. And so that's, that's kind of a knock-on that's effect a great we're way always to, looking for.
1: That's a great way to think about it. All right, we have a call. I think it's a little off-topic, but Reginald, from Kentwood, uh, Reginald. From Kentwood, we're glad that you've called in. Uh, go ahead with your question.
3: Okay, I. This
2: uh, it's a really complicated situation, but I'm living on air property, and I have two brothers. Well, one brother and one sister. Uh, there hasn't been any succession done on the property. Uh, My neighbors insure the property, but I'm doing all the upkeep and. Uh, they refuse to sell me the property. Mm-hmm. So how can I protect myself legally, uh, the best way to protect Myself legally and financially.
3: Gee, Reginald, if you were on the Mississippi side of the river, I would be really well positioned to advise you. But am I understanding right? You're in Kentwood, Louisiana. Yes. Okay. Well, I can't help with this issue. I can tell you a couple of things that would be true if you were on the Mississippi side of the river, and maybe you can take those ideas to a uh, a, a lawyer in Louisiana. Succession in 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 um. In Mississippi, one of the things that uh, a court uh, does when there's no will left and there are a number of heirs, all of whom have a share in uh, property, uh, the court marshals the assets, determines the debts that have to be paid, uh, and if there's liquid assets to pay those debts, that gets taken care of, and then the real estate gets um, either the parties agree on how to work it out or they have to, uh, the court can, on a motion of one of the heirs, order, a division of the property, and they can do that by ordering a sale, and then one heir can try and buy out the other heirs, or the sale can go through and everybody gets whatever the share is. Now, you're talking about uh, having spent time and, and money uh, maintaining the property, and so when you talk to your lawyer in Louisiana, you'll want to point that out and ask them if there's a way to recoup any of those costs, at least a, a portion of those costs that ought to be assigned to your other heirs, and see if that assists you in... In, uh, making yourself whole. So I wish you luck, but uh, I'm afraid uh, Louisiana civil law is uh, its own creature. So get a you're Louisiana right. practitioner.
2: Okay, thank you. You've been helpful. You're
3: All welcome. right.
1: Uh, and I did look this up. If you're interested in going back to listen to our previous show on uh, restorative justice, that was our September 12th, 2017, and you can listen to that online on our website, MP org slash legal terms, and it's also available as a podcast.
3: So Liz, since uh, Reginald mentioned air property, I should mention that our organization over time has done a significant amount of it. We really got started on it after Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. and uh, that was because of uh, federal and state requirements about proving ownership in order to receive housing recovery benefits. But we kept on doing it uh, and have done some in a, you know, a limited way and worked with uh, Pro Bono Council and Organizations, uh, universities like uh, Ole Miss Law School and MC Law School have always been great about helping us uh, with uh, pro bono work and the and the state bar as well. But that is a really important thing because that's where a lot of a- that's where a lot of uh, people's assets are locked up, and they get yes. they get ha- they get stuck there, and you can't get a home equity loan, you can't sell it, and so it's it's frozen. And uh, so. We're looking now at tidal clearing work for uh, uh, sort of depressed areas in West Jackson where there's abandoned property and also in the Delta. So we're doing some currently. You know, uh, I'm going to right. talk about ongoing and current work, so I'll shift a little to housing for a moment. One of the pieces of work we're doing is uh, in service to partners in uh, the Jackson and the Delta area. Well, Riley, hold on to those. that
1: thought. We need to take a quick break and then we come back. We will talk about housing. Uh, here's a little teaser. According to to the National Fair Housing Alliance. What do you think is the ranking of housing discrimination complaints? Uh, is it the basis of disability, racial discrimination, or discrimination against families with kids? We're going to come back to that fact when we get back. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion with Riley Morris of the Mississippi Center for Justice. You can give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. We realize that not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. So if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show. Our website is mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app as is all our local shows. I'm here with Liz Gill. Uh, I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon, and our guest is Riley Morris from the Mississippi Center for Justice. We've been talking a little bit about their work with uh, education. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, about uh, housing. Um, Professor Gershon has... Uh, have your daughters been thinking, has your your senior daughter, has she been thinking about uh, schools and how she'd like to go out and make her mark in the world?
2: Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, she's got, uh, she's done great. And uh, she's thinking about, she wants to go into film. And uh, so, you know, we're looking forward to. All that she's going to be, be doing, and uh, and so, but it's going to be a you know busy year. Senior year is a busy year. A lot of a lot of planning for uh, college and things like that. But it's exciting.
1: I was uh, speaking with our guest Riley Morris during the break. I, I think that with every every occupation, uh, every profession, uh, you of course have got to do it to uh, pay bills to. to Pay you know for your sh- food and shelter, but it's wonderful when you can use your profession uh, to help serve others.
2: Right, and that's what Riley does, and that's what people like Riley do. You know, they. I think uh, people lose sight of the fact that how many lawyers actually are involved in public service and public good. And you know, Riley was uh, instrumental, in, and the center was instrumental in helping people after Katrina with disaster recovery. You know, people don't think about lawyers in that situation; they think about contractors. They think about you know. Uh, you know, flood relief, things like that, but but lawyers played an instrumental role in getting people back on their feet.
1: Especially if all the paperwork was gone, and paper paperwork rules the world.
2: <laughs> That's right.
1: All right, I I made, mentioned a teaser, and this was a, a national statistic. Uh, they had said that 55 of the complaints uh, involve discrimination based on disability, followed by about 20% on racial and about 8% on discrimination uh, against families with kids. What have you found in Mississippi?
3: Uh, Those are all three top areas. And as we do our work in housing and we're undertaking a very focused uh, effort right now and over the next two, next three years to uh, do education and outreach and enforcement on the Federal Fair Housing Act. We see all three of those come up right. and uh, they come up in different, to different degrees in different locations, but uh, race discrimination remains a stubborn persistent uh, blight on our, our society and how people interact with each other and so we still see that and it's in the news but it's also outside of the news uh, but the ones that are lesser known under the Fair Housing Act, the things that federal law protects that, that the average person may not realize is that familial status. If you have children, uh, you're you're not to be discriminated against on the basis of having children when it comes to renting or buying a house, Okay, uh, something people don't normally zero in on. And there are a whole lot of very specific uh, provisions relating to accommodating people with disabilities. And that's another place where uh, folks may not, be as um, current, uh, both on the landlord side and on the tenant side, as right. to what their rights are. And so all three of those come up. I don't know that we have a ranking order of our own internally, right. but that's, that's uh, routine, routine stuff that comes our way.
1: What, what are some ways that the Mississippi Center for Justice has been able to help with uh, housing and uh, community development?
3: Well... Just to continue a little bit on what I was mentioning, making sure people know their rights is vital. And so there's an under uh, there's an effort underway uh, on the southern half of the state to make sure that particularly folks in more rural parts of the state are aware of protections under the Federal Fair Housing Act. So we do uh, presentations in different par- corners of the state mm-hmm. uh, in some of the more uh, developed locations, but also rural settings to make sure everybody knows the law. We've undertaken, as I mentioned, a, um, uh, a, a various types of litigation over time. We did some work in the South Delta Regional Housing Authority to ensure rights were observed there when there was a sudden unwarranted uh, uh, rental hike. And we got both the uh, rental hike eliminated and the uh, bad conditions in the location uh, resolved. We also participated in a challenge to a discriminatory uh, zoning ordinance enacted by the city of Richmond, which would have uh, grandfathered out a bunch of multifamily rental, which is very key to people who are seeking upward mobility particularly right. people of color trying to move into neighborhoods with better schools. So see, right. the connections between housing and education are there for us. Right. So those are some of the examples. We'll be carrying that work on over the next several years. And the uh, leader of that team is John Jopling, and he's aided by several other attorneys in the office. Will Bedwell, who's doing a lot of the um, uh, education and outreach work along with enforcement and also uh, in the community development work I mentioned earlier before the break by Kiara Tate who's also in our Biloxi office.
1: Well we've been talking today we've got uh, Riley Morris here from president of the Mississippi Center for Justice. We've been talking about education we're now talking about housing and community development but if you have a question we would love for you to give us a call. Our number is one 8 MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four Please do use the eight seven seven area code. We get we get for, contacted from time to time by people who have the local area codes, and they say, "Stop it."
3: <laughs> so, Liz, one of the things that uh, we've also discovered from the work we did after Katrina, uh, and that we continue on, is the importance of um, historic preservation in our state, and that's been that was helpful after Katrina, and it remains helpful in finding anchor. Uh, Anchor structures, anchor uh, locations that help people uh, who've seen their neighborhoods sort of fade out for whatever reason, economically rebuild. And so we're at work uh, in uh, the Mississippi Delta, uh, along with the Emmett Till Interpretive Center, to try to secure uh, National Park Service protection for the Bryant Grocery, the location where the infamous Emmett Till uh, murder uh, began where right. the, the sequence of events began, but um, Mississippi has so many incredible pieces of history, whether it 's music, literature, or writing, that we can oftentimes find programs that assist with that, and then those help to build community pride, help to strengthen out uh, the surrounding uh, neighborhoods and uh, so we we've, we focus strongly on that as well as the other federal funding that comes through the the block grant funding and there are uh, conditions on spending that money that we make sure that the public is aware of and give them an opportunity to try to push priorities up that are in line with what community needs are.
1: All right. We've had on our show a number of different state agencies that are provide services for uh, Mississippi citizens. But the Mississippi Center for Justice, it's, it's a nonprofit organization. That's correct. It's, it's, you may apply for grants from different uh, facilities, <clears throat> but you're not a governmental uh, agency
3: Right, and unlike uh, traditional uh, civil legal aid, which does very important work all across this uh, state and across the country, we are not part of the Legal Services Corporation funding stream. So we don't receive a federal budget amount from the federal treasury. We have to be entrepreneurial every year, raise the money through grants and through donations and events like the Champions of Justice Center to keep our fantastic team going. So that's what gives us the flexibility to turn quickly on a dime if we need to and to respond in places where perhaps uh, federal or state um, constraints would uh, block us so we have more uh, more adaptability
1: and uh, as I, I was mentioning before the you know the cost of law school is is, is probably is pretty high and uh, a lot of the your your lawyers that work with you uh, they're not they're not getting paid the the big big bucks do, You have a lot of uh, individuals who work full-time for the center. Are there people who liaison or who volunteer?
3: Well, our staff is, uh, at the moment, it's growing because of some uh, new work that we've gotten um, in housing and in uh, food security, uh, among others. So we're moving up towards the uh, upper end of 25 to 30 right now. Uh, At our peak, we were at about 35. But we... We operate on the basis of partnerships, pro bono uh, partnerships with law firms in state, law firms nationally, with law schools who send us law students and with uh, clinical programs like those that uh, are at the University of Mississippi Law School, some really terrific programs, as well as uh, Mississippi College Law School. So we find a way to let a staff member in our office be a force multiplier by tapping into uh, pro bono resources that are out there. And, you know, national and state law firms when they find the right match, they are so eager to do this work because it's work that makes your heart feel good.
1: Right. Well, we're glad that you are be able to be on our show today. Uh, we need to take our next break of the hour. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about consumer protection. And uh, one of the things that is uh uh, when we had Attorney General J- uh, Jim Hood on our show talked about some of the uh, predatory lending that some of the student loans that unfortunately some of our lawyer friends uh, probably are still paying off. So uh, when you graduate, the average student loan borrower, what do you think it is? Do you think it's 5000 15000 or 25000 for the average student loan graduate in the nation? So hang on and find out. Our number is... MP1877 MPB ring that's 18776727464. You can also send us an email it's legal terms at mpbonline.org you're listening to in legal terms on MPB think Radio.
0: This is an MPB think radio podcast.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert in Oxford. I'm Liz Gill here in Jackson, and I'm with Riley Morris, the president of the Mississippi Center for Justice. And we're talking about uh, their goals and how they help benefit the the state of Mississippi. Uh, Professor Gershon, have you paid off your student loans yet?
2: Yeah, I have. And I, you know, I'm 61 <laughs> years old. But, you know, uh, and, and I will say one thing that uh, I am working at the University of Mississippi, we really do try to keep education affordable here. I know at our law school, we are, we are co- always considered one of the top value law schools in the country. But it's still a consideration students have when they, when they have to borrow money to, to go to college or to graduate school.
1: It is. And this was a CNBC article, and uh, it said when they graduate, the average student loan borrower has 37. thousand dollars over student thirty seven thousand dollars in student loans so uh, selecting where you go what you study and and how you get there is is a priority uh, we've got a call now that we'd like to go to Beaumont sue has called in go ahead sue thanks for calling in to in legal terms yes I'd like to ask mr. Morris in the well, about the Center for justice does that include uh Anybody except black people. I mean, or Native American people, including that. What about the Choctaws? You never. They're the forgotten people, the
3: abused people. You never hear anything about them. Is anybody helping them do anything? Um, well, Sue, the short answer is yes. Uh, I'll tell you also that because of the um, uh, uh, atypical status of. Um, uh, American Indians, uh, being both uh, U.S. citizens and members of a sovereign nation, the and, and having tribal law, and then having the law in which the um, the tribe resides, uh, being sort of uh, surrounding that, it produces a lot of complicated legal uh, wrinkles. And so uh, there's a whole uh, sub- subset of attorneys who focus very specifically on American Indian law and on tribal law, and uh, it's. Uh, really uh a specialty, so you have to probably look to someone who's got that expertise if you have a complex problem. But if you're looking at a basic issue of housing discrimination or lending discrimination or something in the areas where we work, we certainly are aiming to address any kind of uh, discrimination against uh, persons of color, whether they're first people or whether they are uh, uh, arrivers under some other under some other uh, banner, whether it was th- through. Slave or through migration whatever was the mechanism so sue if you've got a problem that fits the areas that we're working in we're open to talking uh, if it's a very specific tribal area thing like say family law or uh, crimes on a on a reservation that's a place where you really want to look for someone who makes that their day-to-day business it's very very uh, important to get good advice in that field
1: well we appreciate uh, you calling in sue and uh, we're talking today with Riley Morris the president of the Mississippi Center for justice and one of the things you focus on is uh, consumer protection what what falls under that umbrella
3: well it's basically consumer debt making sure people get a fair shake when they borrow uh, in other words that they are uh, given the same sorts of terms uh, to others in uh, comparable economic positions and that they're not discriminated against and that over the time time of the servicing of the loan that they're treated fairly and if its t- and if it comes to default and there's a collection that they're also treated fairly so we We have uh, done work on behalf of borrowers in the settings of consumer debt, including things like payday lending and other forms of borrowing, student loan borrowing, as well as uh, doing work on foreclosure, both foreclosure prevention and workouts over the course of the, the time that we've done this work.
1: The the work that the Mississippi Center for Justice, uh, do you have a lot of uh, individual cases, or do you try to uh, aggregate them and and do more class action, or how— what are your clients like
3: well in, in the foreclosure prevention it is pretty much individual cases right. and uh, Charles Lee who leads the consumer protection division uh, leads a team that uh, does that work uh, we're head that part of the work is located in Jackson but we cover cases across the state and um, the there are times when the, the case present the, the problem presents itself in a manner that's suitable for class action work. The the challenge for an organization like ours is that uh, private attorneys who uh, bring class actions as part of their day-to-day practice also see those opportunities and they usually step in and take those oh, on right. and they're they're very heavily resourced. Now, occasionally the 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 conditions will align like it, they did with uh, Attorney General Hood and us on this uh, student loan servicing case against Navient, where we have a, and others where we have a chance to participate in uh, a higher impact piece of work. Uh, so we we work in different settings according to where the opportunity. Arise.
1: Just so um, people are aware of what should be happening, what what should people do with their student loans and what is Naviat and some of the other people, uh, some of the other organizations, have they thought the consumers needed to be protected from?
3: Well, I think uh, in your Previous program money talks. There was right. a, a person who called in about student loan consolidation. Uh, but the key thing for uh, this this case that we've we've brought is that um, uh, lenders and servicers who uh, are contacted by borrowers who need to uh, see if there's a way to uh, adjust uh, their payment schedule need to know that. They should present all options and not steer people to the highest cost option. And and the the point of the Navient case, as we understand it, was that there's a persistent practice on the part of some of these servicers of of uh, dropping out all of the other options and steering the uh, the borrower to the simplest and we think highest cost alternative instead of looking at you know sliding scale income based payments that uh, were probably a better fit for the. Uh, For the borrower So there's not a lot of counseling going on It's a lot of churning
1: Right so what? Uh, what about in uh, debt collection? Uh, what or and uh, predatory lending? Uh, what has been your experiences with the uh, the payday lenders? What have you helped uh, any Mississippi citizens in that realm?
3: Well, it's a it's a scourge. Uh, it's it's nationally it's it's a right. scourge in states where it has where it, where it is uh, permitted to occur. And um, nationally, our um, our Congress said that. Payday lending was a threat to national security for service members, and so enacted yes. rules uh, restraining payday lenders from, uh, you know, doing certain things near the bases. And I right. grew up uh, near Keesler Air Force Base and uh, CV Base, so all of that stuff seems very familiar. Right. Our view is that if it's good for the military, it's good for every civilian in this country, and so we ought to pull back on the extremes there. We've worked on that through the legislature, and we've worked on that through banking agencies, and we've supported uh, banks like Bank Plus and Hope uh, Credit Union, who provide market-based alternatives that are uh, fairer and lower rates. But it's a stubborn problem, and it's an example of Mississippi's policy climate, where... uh, it's very hard to make some headway. Uh, I, we do uh, applaud, um, you know, the Banking Commission for taking action against uh, All American Check Cashing for those illegal loan rollovers. There were thousands of those, but it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough nut to crack.
1: Professor Gershon, with uh, you, you're, am I correct? You teach a lot of contract law, and a lot of this is uh, you know that's what consumer protection. It's with the contracts with uh, companies. What what have you – what's been one of the main things you've been trying to tell your law students?
2: Well, one thing is that, you know, when you get things like uh, predatory lending contracts, I mean, that, that's a situation where the power is not equal. The the borrower doesn't have anywhere near the, the kind of uh, bargaining power that the lender does, uh, you know, more than – uh, well, nearly 60 percent of the payday loans are taken out by uh, women who are single heads of household, mm-hmm. and they're trying to make ends meet on a day-to-day basis. They don't, they're not in a position uh, to, to bargain very much. And so, you know, we think about contracts as being something that people bargain for and enter into an agreement that is mutually beneficial. You know that this is not one of those situations and uh, predatory lenders take advantage of that uh, what what Riley and the center have done is getting help people get into the banking system I mean you know, they, a lot of them don't even really think that they have access to a bank or that they could use a bank uh, and some and it, it's been hard to get into a bank if you don't have money uh, but they've helped people connect with banks that, that are willing to help them and and that's been a great solution
1: All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the hour. We're continuing our discussion with Riley Morris, president of the Mississippi Center for Justice. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, different ways that you could help the the Center for Justice. I know a two. And uh, we'll find out uh, ways that you can participate. And we'll also talk about their work towards health care. Our number is one. 877-MPB-RING That's 1-877-672-7464 You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you've missed any part of this great program we've had with our guest Riley Morris, president of the Mississippi Center for Justice, you can listen to the whole show. Uh, Later this afternoon, it'll be available online. Our website is mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. It's also available on the MPB Media app, as is all our local shows and as a podcast. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. And we've talked about a couple of different ways you could help out the Mississippi Center for Justice. Um, One is always money. (laughs) If you go to their website, Center F-O-U-R, justice.org
2: F-O-R uh, F-O-R Justice,
1: F-O-R, Justice yeah. yeah you can make a contribution but uh, you can also attend the Champions of Justice Dinner which will be October 18th at the Jackson Convention Center the honorees are Representative Robert Clark and Carol Pinnock and but you also, uh, a lot of uh, attorneys, law students, and volunteers from an array of personal and professional backgrounds provide support to the uh, uh, Mississippi Center for Justice's outreach. And th- your offices, tell us where all your offices are.
3: Our headquarters is in Jackson on Old, Old River Place. Our Biloxi office is on Division Street in uh, East Biloxi. And our Indianola office is on Court Avenue uh, on the town square.
1: All right. so we, All we,
3: connected by Highway 49.
1: More or less. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, we've talked about a number of the different focus areas that the Mississippi Center of Justice uh, works in and uh, helping individuals. We've talked about education. We've talked about housing. Uh, we talked about... Consumer debt. Consumer, <laughs> that's right. Uh, consumer debt. And now we'll talk about health care. And I guess one of the specific <sighs> focuses is... is is HIV and discrimination and stigma. Tell us a little bit about th- why that is a problem in Mississippi.
3: Well, Jackson still, I think, has the fourth highest infection rate uh, for HIV in the nation, which is kind of shocking. Uh, that's as of, I think, about 2016. Mm-hmm. So we have a high uh high uh, infection rate we have a lot of stigma attached to it and we have uh, a lot of questions uh, among uh, those who are coping with uh, this you know profoundly, Uh, painful news about what does this mean for my employment, my housing, and so forth. And so we worked with the University of Mississippi Medical Center to co-locate, next to their clinic at the Jackson Medical Mall, a medical-legal partnership team. where We can receive uh, referrals, and we can take walk-ins for folks who are... um, dealing with uh, uh, HIV status in their lives and look at issues of employment, housing, and uh, other forms of discrimination and privacy rights. And of course, there's a a variety of ways in which the the law protects those, and we have a a wonderful team um, that's led by Linda Rigsby and also staffed by Alicia Reed Owen at our uh, our medical mall and we do an enormous amount of work there both on direct service uh, counseling as well as helping to get more information out about um, uh, protections available for folks with HIV and also working with a uh, new initiative to combat stigma and this basically means bringing together folks uh, with this diagnosis to strategize about ways to work through the problems, the family problems, the problems in in work and in society at large to uh, destigmatize things so that folks will be less afraid to be tested.
1: Wow, all right I guess it it hadn 't occurred to me this seemed like more of a, uh, a i guess a, a social issue and not uh, legal issues. What are some of the 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 legal yeah. or, or or do you does do you Use individuals who aren't specialized in in legalities.
3: Well, these are there are legal issues. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if someone uh, is diagnosed with this condition, they may, they may be a person with disability under the federal laws that protect people uh, with disabilities, and there are privacy laws that uh, uh, secure people's uh, private information against public disclosure. So both of those things. Uh, come into play in uh, work settings. If someone goes back to work after they've discovered this and this word gets out and they're they're either uh, removed or or lost, where the science doesn't justify doing it. The biggest problem, the the reason we talk about stigma so much is there's a lot of non-scientific information out there about what is and isn't uh, a condition that puts somebody at risk of transmission. And so for that reason, people do a lot of irrational things, uh, limiting people's employment, refusing to... To treat people, even medically treat some people, and uh, or house people, so all of those things uh, tend to implicate both things: questions of disability and privacy rights. And we look okay. to try to contain that so that folks can get on with their lives, maintain their uh, regime of uh, treatment and medication, and you know keep afloat.
1: All right. Well, Professor Gershon, we've talked uh, a number of times on our show about, uh, I guess, the protected status of of individuals. How does that work with um, someone with a medical diagnosis?
2: That's a great question. That's something Riley probably deals with more, more than I would. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there, there are conditions that will make you a protective status. We talked about disabilities, for example. Uh, that is certainly people with disabilities. That's protective status. And yet, uh, you know, Riley gave us statistics that people in housing are discriminated against because of their disabilities. And so, you know, that's. Improper, uh, and so you know that uh, the thing is we, we you know we look at these situations and it is a combination of law and policy and medicine and I think it's great that what what uh, the center is doing is uh, working with doctors at the medical school uh, to try to help some help people. I mean that's really ultimately what they're trying to do.
1: Well, and that goes exactly back to what you said earlier. You can't just treat one problem. You have to treat the the whole. Society, uh, because everything connects. It's it's just all a chain. Everything connects uh, to each other, and and it's all intersects.
3: Yeah, in the social work uh, discipline, they talk about wraparound services. It's kind of that. It's trying to appreciate that a person, as a whole person, comes into the room with a collection of problems, and we try to do our best to find a place uh, with the right. Match to uh, help solve all all of the group's problems that that person represents, where we can, where the law allows it.
1: All right. Well, we have just a few minutes left. Uh, tell us, tell us something more about the the center that uh, so we can so, be well informed.
3: Sure. Well, uh, what I'm particularly excited about over the next uh, several years is that the center has launched a uh, impact litigation project, which is being led by a, a former N.C.J. board member and a renowned civil rights lawyer rob mcduff and through this project we are taking on large-scale cases things relating to voting rights to redistricting to uh discrimination uh in a, a wide range of areas that don't fit into the f- e- neatly into the right. four topics I was just mentioning before, and so I'm so thrilled about that work because it augments uh, and, and complements uh, so much of the other stuff that we do, and we're we're real proud of uh, having this opportunity to add that um, important uh, tool to the to the kit that we bring.
1: And how how is it? Uh do you go after areas, or do someone comes up to you to suggest uh, to tell them about a problem you have? How
3: do you pick your projects? It's a mixture. Some some of these are sort of longstanding uh, problems diagnosed many years before that nobody's had the means to be able to take on. In other cases, they're new new actions. Uh, for example, we uh, took on the uh, challenge to the. Uh, Religious, the religious protection law HB 1523, mm-hmm. the law which we we saw as discriminating against uh, LGBT people, we pursued that case. We'll we'll be looking for a case where it's applied and pursue that as well. We're we're confident that ultimately we'll prevail in that. Uh, and then uh, people bring us ideas. Um, so we, we're uh, open on that issue. And Beth Olansky, our, our advocacy director, oversees all of the four areas as well as the Impact Litigation Project matter that I just mentioned. And so uh, any of our listeners who have a, a bright idea should certainly give Beth a call at our Jackson office. And that's 601-352-2269.
1: And we will have that phone number, and we'll have the MS Center for Justice, (laughs) F-O-U-R, F-O-R, justice.org as on our website. Um, Okay, we have one minute left. Uh, Professor Gershon, what's going on at the law school?
2: Well, we're getting ready to start back, and as Riley mentioned, we have uh, great clinical opportunities for our students, and they uh, include a housing clinic uh, that uh, has worked with the Center for Justice, and we always send, uh, we buy a table at their dinner that's coming up in October, and also we love to send students to that dinner to to let students see, you know, uh, connections with with what they can be doing in the profession to to help as well.
3: And we've hired out of y'all's clinical law program, you have some... Terrific clinical law professors, and the students that go through those get wonderful experience, and that's what we're looking for: is um, you know highly motivated young lawyers.
1: Well, we appreciate uh, all the not-for-profits and and organizations in Mississippi that work to better uh, life for our citizens and in the state. Okay, well, this is going to wrap us up for another Great in Legal Terms. Our call screener today has been Kevin Farrell. Our board engineer in Jackson has been Michelle McAdoo in Oxford. We appreciate Paul Bennett helping us out. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi, Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, relatively speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. We hope you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MBB Think Radio.